Today on Locked On Canadians, who might be available to the Habs as free agency is literally tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. Plus, the Canadians were really busy today in advance of that. And finally, some listeners have asked us to discuss Wright versus Slavkovsky one last time. And we will do that in just one moment on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to episode 655 of Locked On Canadians. And thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We're free and available five days a week, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Mat- Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. And Scott, we have a special guest joining us for tomorrow's episode. How excited are you for that? I am very, very excited. We... This is the guest we tried to book before the draft, but extenuating circumstances cancel that. We are going to have Tony Ferrari back on the show. We are going to do a live show for y'all, um, which I realized tomorrow was Tuesday, which will lead into our free agency you know, nonsense. I will be around for that. We're going to have Tony on. He's going to help us debrief the draft because we are not prospect experts. We just play ones on this podcast. We're going to have Tony back. He's going to help us break down Slavkovsky, Meshar, Lane Hudson, Owen Beck, all these picks for you. Get to ask him questions in real time. We cannot wait. We hope you will join us. Uh, we are aiming 7.30 Eastern. We're going to go about 35 minutes or so, and we're going to give all of y'all a chance to pick Tony's uh, very big prospect brain on everything. We are very, very excited, uh, and we're very glad Tony can join us and make time for us in that. Tony is one of our favorite people, and I do think that we do need a prospect expert to break down the, the moves the Canadians did. We have a lot of opinions, but Tony is somebody, particularly with the number of OHL picks the Canadians made, uh, you know, Tony has a lot of, of concentrated expertise on that area. But that's all tomorrow. Today, what we want to discuss is later in this episode, we're going to talk about who might be available to the Habs in free agency, given that qualifying offers were due today, and a lot of teams made some surprising decisions, which aren't so surprising if we look at the context. We're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about what the Canadians did uh, today, which is the day that we're recording this, which is Monday, and that's going going in our second segment. But in our first segment, we just want to put something to rest because a lot of listeners have brought this up and they want us to kind of weigh in on it. And that's fair because it is a topic of conversation that we're seeing. Um, And that is the idea that, you know, Shane Wright not only was death staring the Canadian's table when Seattle picked him, but also that he was liking um, Instagram comments and tweets uh, that were derogatory towards Slavkovsky. Um, And so what I did was I went back and I tried to look at everything I could find uh, on this. And when Slavkovsky was picked first, which was a surprise to both of them, I think, uh, Shane Wright got up and congratulated him, right? And then later on, when Shane Wright was picked behind the scenes, they congratulated each other. There were hugs. Proud of you, buddy. Congratulations, buddy. Like these two have probably spent a lot of time together in in recent weeks, not just at the combine, but all the events that top prospects get invited to. Um, And I don't think that there is any animosity between the two players or Shane Wright against Slavkovsky. I do think though, that it is entirely normal for somebody who gets told for years and years that they're the next number one overall pick. When they slide down, there's got to be some 
ego, a bruise to the ego. And I don't necessarily think that, um, you know, even if he was not, even if he felt led on by the Habs, even if he felt that the Habs gave him the impression that they were going to pick him first or anything like that, like, I don't think that, you know, him saying that the Habs made a mistake is too far out of the realm of somebody who's competitive, who's at the top of, you know, or or had been at the top of people's lists. Like, I don't necessarily see it as an indicator of a big problem because as I've learned in recent days is if, if, if somebody really is a problem personality, they will drop much further than fourth overall, right? Like there are very logist logical reasons why he went fourth, right? The Canadians picked Slavkovsky because that's who they liked better. And then New Jersey was very enthralled with Shimon Nemitz and they, you know, they didn't really make that much of a secret of the fact that they had wanted Slavkovsky. In the absence of that, they took their next best player. The Arizona Coyotes said they wanted a U.S. player. I'm not entirely sure why that is. I don't know if it's so that they can, you know, um, have the local fans be interested in him more or maybe they like the, the U.S. League more, or the NCAA, you know, like U.S. development more. It was definitely a focus on picking a U.S. player. So that left the Seattle Kraken, who were probably planning to take, you know, Nemeth or, or Yerushek or somebody like that when uh, Shane Wright became available to them and he was picked to them. So I think for me, it's like, you know, it's possible that he didn't interview well. I don't think necessarily that, uh, you know, it was it's an indicator of a huge deal because I went back. I Like I said, I went back. I, I, I rewatched the Kent Hughes press availability, the the one with uh, Martin Lapointe and Nick Balbrov and, uh, you know, even even Shane Wright's interviews. Like, uh, like I said, the social media of them hugging and all of that. Like I went back and I looked at it and I really just think that the Canadians really just wanted Slavkovsky and Shane Wright thought that he deserved, you know, that he had done all he could to, to, to be the number one overall pick. And that's just not the way it shook out. And now it's okay for him to have a chip on his shoulder and work really hard to prove the Canadians wrong. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I just think that, you know, we don't necessarily have to, he's already out of town. We don't need to run him out of town. Yeah. I, I look at it this way is that I go, yeah, when you're the guy you were supposed to be the guy from the time you were 15 and joined the OHL, and it all kind of slips at the last minute, you're probably a little bit ticked off. Like, I get it. I've been a teenager once, too. You have a chip on your shoulder. Uh, staring down the Habs table isn't going to intimidate anyone sitting there when you consider who's sitting at that table. Martin Lapointe. You have Martin St. Louis, who was halfway through a bag of chips. Vincent Lecavier. You know, all these people, y- you can act tough, but it doesn't matter unless you can prove it on the ice. Philip Zadina said he was going to fill the Canadians' net with pucks, and... I get it. And at the same time, I, I, I'm finding it very hard to care that he did it. It happens. It's hockey. It's not always fair. The one thing I heard is that at the combine or at the uh, combine, when they did interviews, Wright did not interview. Well, you know, there was things about responsibility and this, and when faced with adversity, he didn't, you know, kind of take on that burden. Slavkovsky, you know, they said, Hey, you do this. And he went, Okay, and then he went and they looked and he's working on these things. He takes it as a challenge to get better. Shane Wright kind of didn't seem to do that in his interviews. And for teams, if you don't want to take responsibility for your own actions, it's a huge red flag for teams, especially the Canadians. There's a lot of responsibility that's going to go on these players in the next couple years here. There's a lot of rebuilding that's going to happen. We look at Slavkovsky today at at a development camp. And one, the kid's cocky. 
bordering on arrogant, but has that fine line walked perfectly. He broke a Wingate bike, and then when asked about it, said, I'm going to b- damage everything in this gym. How do you not love that? He's, he, he's very confident, and he knows what he wants. He's intense. Intense. And the thing is, I love that. He's he's gonna he's even if fans didn't want Yuri Slavkovsky, I obviously was on the Shane Wright and we wanted Shane Wright. He's making people believe very very quickly, and I have nothing bad to say about Shane Wright. You know we're it's all gonna shake out on the ice one way or the other. In it's, ten years, I'm, yeah, sorry, like <laughs> it, it's like I I get that there are people that this is a lot about you know the draft is like I want to dislike like I don't care. He, I understand it. Have that chip on your shoulder. That's what motivates you. You go right ahead. If that's going to help you reach that next level, go right ahead. But if you're going to let it stew on it for longer than you need to, that's that's your own thing there. I want to put the right versus Slavkovsky debate for be- to bed until we play the Kraken at some point this season. Then we can reopen this book at whatever point that is. But for now, I think here at Lockdown Canadians, we will talk to Tony about this a little bit. But Laura and I, we are we are closing up the book on this unless something drastic happens. We are done. Yuri Slavkovsky Slavkovsky is a Montreal Canadian. Shane Wright is a Seattle Kraken. And that's that's the end of the story right now. Until they take the ice, we don't know. And the beginning of another story is Yuri Slavkovsky is 18 years old. Literally, I think it was Arpen Basu that pointed it out. He just had his braces taken out on March 30th, right? He's a young one. And I think he's going to develop and he's going to do everything he can. He seems to embrace that challenge. So here on out, Locked On Canadians is Locked On. Slavkovsky. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to talk about the qualifying offers and a couple of signings the Canadians made and what they mean for the team going forward. And that's all coming up uh, in our next segment. But first, let me remind everybody about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. We're talking about being intense and breaking Wingate bites. If you want the energy to do that, I highly recommend you grab a Built Bar. It tastes like a treat and it's going to give you the energy that you need. It is high in protein, low in sugar. They're all all made with real chocolate and they have so many delicious flavors there's so many incredible flavors every time i turn around they're coming up with something new and they always sound like a delicious delicious treat so so good and if you want to check out built bar and you want to know all the things that we're talking about and you want that energy you can take it on the go with you you know a 3 p.m pick me up if you need take it hiking with you like scott does you can go to built.com and enter promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your order that is built.com and the promo code is locked 15 to get 15% off your order. All right. The Canadians were busy today, Scott. They did a lot of things they did. They, and they didn't do a certain thing that has fans up in arms. (laughs) So let's, let's have a quick discussion. The first thing that they did, the first thing that we heard was that they had signed Corey Schooneman to a contract. And then we heard that Michael Pizzetta will be brought back on a contract. I thought those were two very tidy pieces of homework that they needed to do. Uh, I was excited to see both of them back. The Canadians are obviously high on Corey Schooneman, but they probably know that he's He's probably not part of that contending core that they're talking about, but he's a really, really uh, serviceable guy. I, I've said the word serviceable quite a few times in the last couple of days, but like Corey Schooneman to me, I think the Canadians like him because he's reliable and he's consistent. He's not going to be Caden Gooley good, but they like him. They need him for depth. They've signed him. I think that they've done a great job. As for Michael Pizzetta, it's a short contract. It's not very long. 
I think they like having him around the team. I think they just like him as a player, as a personality, as somebody who pushes everybody to be good. You know, we, we've heard the other players talk about how intense he is and how, how much energy he brings. So I think they've brought those two back for a short period of time because I think their long-term plans might not include these players, but for the short term, they're players that the Habs like, that the fans like, and the coaches seem to like. I look at it this way is that both guys, Corey Schudeman got one year two way, so he gets paid different AHL and HL. It's not whether or not he can be sent down. And Pizzetta got a one-way deal. I think this is a, hey, things are going to get real crowded here real soon. This is your year to prove that you can stick around. I think Corey Schudeman will start the year with the Rocket, at least for a little bit. And I think he's going to be that guy on the cusp there, right, with like Otto Leskinen. They're going to need veteran guys still in Laval because not everyone can be in the NHL and not all the prospects can be in the NHL. You need bits and pieces to go back and forth here. And I think Martin St. Louis really likes Corey Schoenman. He really did. He was very complimentary of Corey Schoenman right after he took over his coach when uh, Schoenman scored his first NHL goal, got his first couple points there. Martin St. Louis loved him. And we've talked about Michael Pozzetta a lot on this podcast is that he went from you know, fourth line AHL or to a guy who was taking regular NHL shifts playing in the top, not top six, but, you know, in the middle six there and taking regular shifts and was a regular NHLer in the lineup there. And he's improved leaps and bound. I think they love that energy and he's there. He's like, Hey, if you're playing in that bottom six and you're not trying, I'm going to be the one trying. I'm going to be right on your heels the entire time. And I like that. They're rewarding guys who are putting in the effort, and I think that's really important. Where it shakes out this season, I don't know because I keep forgetting. Evgeny Dodonov's on this team. You know, Jonathan Drouin is coming back. Mike Hoffman exists. Yuri Slavkovsky is on the team as of right now. People are penciling him in to be in the NHL. Whether or not that's a little um, presumptive, who knows? But the thing is, in their non-qualifying offers, I, I suppose we should talk about who they did qualify. Yes. Caden Primo, mm-hmm. Joel Teasdale, Nate Schnarr, Samuel Montembeau. Um, I'm missing someone else in here um, off the top of my head. But I know the big one that people are upset about is they did not qualify Rem Pitlick. Uh, Rem Pitlick. He is the biggest one, and that's the one people are, I, I guess, upset with. But at the same time, it's there's a reason for this. And the biggest thing is that he's eligible for arbitration and based off of him having a career season where he shot Oh, they qualified Kirby doc. Duh. There we go. That was the fifth one. Cause I forgot. He is also on the team despite just trading for him. Rem Pitlick going to arbitration is probably going to get a contract worth $3 million or so. The Canadians cannot afford that because he's not going to shoot 22% next year and score 15 goals. Again, they like Rem Pitlick, the player, they do not like Rem Pitlick, the player, for fifteen or for three million dollars a season. Like that's too much. I would absolutely agree, and you'll notice that a lot of teams did that. They didn't qualify a lot of arbitration eligible players because when when that arbitrator makes a decision, it's usually binding. And what usually happens, even though I don't necessarily think that it's fair but the common convention is and it doesn't always happen but the common convention is when there is an rfa the team will extend an offer the players camp 
will extend a counteroffer, and then the arbitrator will decide exactly in the middle of that. So what is stopping from Rem Pitlick and his agent saying, I want $6 million, and then getting whatever's between the halves and what, you know what I mean? So I think that it's definitely one of those things where a lot of players that are quality players uh, were not qualified by their teams. And in our next segment, we are going to talk about what the, who those players are and the possibility that they might be available to the Montreal Canadiens uh, come free agency, which is, you know, Wednesday at noon. I think a really important thing about all of this is that it doesn't necessarily mean that Rempitlik won't be back with the Habs. I mean, we just saw, I can't remember which player it was that uh, wasn't extended a qualifying offer, but then was signed to... A deal like like very shortly afterwards this afternoon. I honestly cannot remember. I just remember looking at that. Do you remember who it was? Was it? Nashville? I don't. Was it? I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that's what actually was the next one I was going to bring up. It's just because he wasn't qualified uh, doesn't mean they can't still sign him to a deal. He still will hit free agent status on Wednesday, but until that time, the Canadians can negotiate a new deal. And if they bring in Pitlick at a number that's more palatable, great. If not. You got him for free. You're not losing literally anything. Like, right. there, there's no downside to that. And I honestly think that's, it's smart business by Ken Hughes. And I know people are upset because Pitlick was a very fun, bright spot on a very bad Canadians team. But looking at this, you know, through the lens of what's best for the team here, paying Pitlick $3 million a year based on an inflated shooting percentage is something Mark Bergevin would have done. And I know that sounds mean, but I don't think I'd be wrong in that analysis. Ken Hughes is playing this very smart, and I think you know we're seeing some of the impact of their new front office alignment here. It's a smart move. It stinks. I like Pitlick a lot. He was free, though, and there's no harm lost in letting him walk to free agency either. I do think so too, and I, I here's the thing is that I do think that Rumpet like will be back with the Canadians. I, I, I honestly because, I mean he was on waivers for a reason, right? And he was very serviceable to the Canadians. He had a great you know second part of the season or whatever under Martin Saint Louis, and he was a fan favorite. I don't think that he's worth what he would have received and therefore I don't think other play other teams are going to be you know everybody is under a cap crunch there are very few teams right now that are you know struggling to reach the floor or have like plenty of room that aren't going to go after big name free agents so he's gonna you know he's he's either going to get signed for a very economical deal or he's going to be on another team and we're going to miss him and we're going to be sad and I think that's totally you know it's just the way hockey goes he's not an untouchable on this team he never was and as we saw, there were a couple of people that you would have thought that would be untouchable on this team that were promptly traded. So I think, you know, this 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 organization isn't necessarily married to any players other than Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, pretty much, and now <laughs> Slavkovsky. But, I, you know, when in, in our next segment, what we are going to do is we are going to talk about who might be available to the Canadians from other teams, whether it's because they have said they want to test free agency or whether it is because they did not get qualifying offers for their teams currently and might go to UFA on Wednesday at noon. And that's all coming up in just one moment. All right, Scott, where do you want to start with our potential people who might be available to the Habs? All right, so uh, I have... Three areas that I have identified as things that I personally would like. 
Uh, the first one being there are goalies out there now. And we know that the Canadians have said they are not interested in trading Jake Allen right now. The demand is high. But out on the market right now, the Washington Capitals have let go Ilya Samsonov. They have not qualified him since he would be between three, three and a half million dollars. And that was too expensive for them for what they quoted as a backup goalie. They currently do not have a starting goalie because they traded Vitek Vanacek to the New Jersey Devils. Samsonov was a name that was rumored to the Canadians closer to the trade deadline. And I think that's an intriguing option. Samuel Montembeau was obviously qualified by the Canadians today. So they're potentially planning on offering him, I assume, a very cheap deal to keep him in the organization, probably bump him down to the AHL when that time comes. And then Mikey DiPietro of the Vancouver Canucks, a very good CHL goalie, has put up pretty solid numbers in the AHL as well, was not qualified. And with Thatcher Demko, it kind of makes sense that there isn't space for him, but I'm very shocked they let him go. If they're looking for another young goaltender, maybe not an NHL guy, but one to tandem with Caden Primo in the AHL, you have him right there. My thought is I'm almost wondering now, because as we're recording this, we're still waiting on the Matt Murray to Toronto trade to go through. Frank Cervalli just tweeted that he doesn't understand what the holdup is, but Ottawa's retaining at least 25% of Murray's salary. It feels like the market for goalies is going to get very, very hot very quickly. And I only see Jake Allen, who is an established piece, his value going up to the point that eventually Ken Hughes is going to have to go, I can't not take one of these deals. And then you have to hope that one of Sam Sonov or someone is out there. And I'm wondering if that's kind of what their plan is. You know, regardless, they bring back Montembeau. They have Sam Sonov and they have Price. They trade Jake Allen for who knows what to a desperate team. And then they figure out their tandems from there and just kind of wing it in that regard because we don't know about Kerry. I still don't like the idea of trading Jake Allen, but it looks more and more like it just the the amount is gonna be uh is gonna be there. We do have the Matt Murray trade, by the way. From Sens Communication, the Sens have traded goalie Matt Murray while retaining 25% of his remaining salary, a third round pick in 2023 and a seventh round pick in 2024 to the Maple Leafs in exchange for future considerations. So Literally nothing was that trade. Jake Allen is probably worth a whole lot right now on the market. Absolutely. I think Jake Allen, out of all the available goalies, Jake Allen is one of the strongest ones. Um, And he's on a very cheap deal. And that, I think, is the key here. Honestly, it will break my heart when it happens because I just think he's so great. But at the same time, you know, the Canadians are going to have to figure out the future of their goaltending anyway. Even if Carey Price was healthy next year, he's on the declining years. You know, he's going to retire eventually. So I, I, I'm not too, you know, I'm, I'm very pragmatic about this. I know the goaltending picture is going to change completely over the course of the next couple of years. Who knows? Maybe Caden Primo is going to attain his potential. Maybe Disho is going to attend, uh, attain his potential. You know, there's there's some goalies in the pipeline that they're working on and that they're and and that show some promise. So for me, I just think that losing Jake Allen this this season will be sad. And if they don't lose him in free agency or during this period, while uh, you know, other teams are trying to figure out their picture. Just imagine how much he's going to fetch at the trade deadline. Just imagine that, you know, when all of the goaltending shakes out. But I think one of the other things that I wanted to talk about a little bit it, really quick in our final moments is there are some players that might potentially be available if the Canadians can manage to dump out a bunch of cap space. I really don't see any of, any of this happening, but 
players we know are going to be testing free agency. One, Evgeny Malkin, which was a huge shocker. Two, um, Darcy Kemper, who apparently wants a lot of money. Uh, and uh, and Nazem Kadri, who also apparently wants a lot of money. I think those are all players that are better for teams that are close to contending. I just think it's going to be really fun to see what happens on Wednesday. I also look at uh, David Perron is going to test free agency as well. And I know that there is a segment of the media that would love David Perron here. I don't know what he's going to want for money. I do not know what he's going to want for term. And I do not know if he wants to go to a rebuilding team in this, in the back end of his career here when he probably wants to win another cup or go to another cup final or anything like that. The Canadians should be looking at some of these other, like Malkin is a pipe dream, but oh my God, would that be fun? Jake, sorry, you're going to have to give up 71 to Evgeny here, but could you imagine you put Slavkovsky on a line with Evgeny Malkin and you just let them go? How- he's still a point per game player. Don't tell that's 30 Pittsburgh. something. What? 35, yes. 35, yes. Apparently he wants four years, which is well, given his recent injury history, but it's like it's Evgeny Malkin. Like Right. And, and here's the thing though, is that they, you know, he wanted four years and Pittsburgh was like, we can't do that. But then you watch like Chris Letang get six years. Like, wouldn't you be annoyed AF? Like, I don't, you know, I think I think Evgeny Malkin is doing the right thing by testing free agency. I, I personally think that he ends up on a team that seems closer to contending than they really are. Um, it's going to be one of those weird ones. That's that's the feeling I get because anybody who is close to contending does not have Evgeny Malkin money or or four years to give him. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun. I and and I, I know you know that's a pipe dream, but I think it would be so so funny to see him in Montreal. Maybe in a couple of years when that four year deal is is looking terrible for that other team. Two years from now, Kent Hughes can go calling. Um, I also think Nazem Kadri is another one of those where he's going to want a lot of money for a lot of time, and then by the time you know. Like by the time the Canadians are contending, maybe he could be an option for them on a trade deadline deal as well. I don't think that any of these people are going to be the Canadians. You know, I don't even think that the Canadians might even call them right. The Canadians have a lot of other priorities at the moment. They have to move out salary first. And that's why names like Sam Steele, who wasn't qualified, uh, Sonny Milano wasn't qualified by the Ducks. Um, David Ferrance, who was not qualified by the National Predators, has been on my list Tell for a while. Tell me about him. He's played one full pro year. He signed that two-year entry-level deal coming out of the NCAA. Played one year in the AHL last year, and Nashville didn't qualify him. He's mobile skater, offensive upside. was a real big scorer in the NCAA. Uh, personally, he's from Rochester, so of course I have skin in that game. I think he fits for what Kent Hughes and everyone is looking for. And given Hughes's knowledge of Hockey East, he's got to be very aware of David Ferentz and what he did there. He's 23 and he wasn't qualified and let go. What Nashville has planned and why they didn't qualify him, I don't understand. But if you're looking for someone that you can probably get cheap, probably stash in the AHL for part of this year and use as a call-up option, it's right there. And I think it's a really intriguing option. Uh, Andre Kasha wasn't qualified. There's going to be a lot of these guys, you know, that you can buy low on and maybe flip. You sign them to a one-year deal you know, not a lot of money if you need to fill spots and if they start thriving and, you know, doing really well and you want to flip them at the deadline, you can do that and accrue more picks or re-sign them longer. It all depends on what you want to do. The world is Kent Hughes oyster in terms of a lot of things here. I, 
I very much assume Jeff Petrie is going to get moved out in the very near future here by sometime on Wednesday morning. I would expect him to be potentially gone, if not other people from the Canadians organization right now. There's a lot that's going to happen, but there is so much out there for Hughes and Gordon, everyone to look at and go, this is what we want. They are not stricken by, well, we have David Savard and Mike Hoffman. All due respect to those players, the Canadians have a much wider palette in front of them. Even if they're not going to get the Cadres, the Malkins, the Perrons, et cetera, there are still other options there for them. Absolutely. And so I think we're going to keep an eye on that. I mean, by the time we post this episode, the picture might be entirely different, right? We're recording this <laughs> yeah. around 8 p.m. On, on Monday night, and then it's going to drop at, just after midnight, and lots of things could have happened. But the key thing here is to follow us or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. We are going live tonight by the time you listen to this with Tony Ferrari, one of our favorite people, and we're going to allow people to ask him questions in the chat as well about the Habs prospects that have been chosen um, in this year's draft. And that's all coming up on Locked On Canadians. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Like I said, uh, you can also find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can ask your questions through there too. I will bring it up with Tony. Um, and uh, in the meantime, you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla, me on Twitter at The Active Stick. Thank you so much for listening and make your second listen of the day, Locked On NHL, where all the free agent frenzy will be covered this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow or tonight live. <laughs>